and welcome back to the Riverdale Recap Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the 11th episode of Riverdale Season 3, The Red Dahlia. I'm Mary Kukowski, as always, and I am joined by the spectacular Kirsten McKinnis. Kirsten, how are you doing? Do you like that new uh, little bit of vocabulary I threw in? Uh, honestly, I really like it. Obviously, all of those little uh, SAT raps really <laughs> taught you a lot of words. I'm really proud of you. Uh, this is certainly not the second time we've tried an introduction today. No, definitely not. We I'm definitely sure did you... not just re-record everything. <laughs> I'm sure you never would try to introduce me without an adjective, so I'm great. I'm spectacular. You are. You are, as always. So we had quite an episode today. It was had a lot in there. I think I took like nine pages of notes, so it was more than I... Just to be fair, people, look. I take notes, but it's normally like three or four pages because not that much usually happens in Riverdale. But today, stuff was happening on all so fronts. He, here's the here's the thing. No one in the world needs that many notes about Riverdale. <laughs> I Like, I think we're at the point most people here are probably not listening because they love Riverdale. <laughs> probably not. So I guess that means they really need us to break it all down. So maybe the notes are good. Well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. I I think there's some quality things in here, but there's a lot of oh my gosh, people stop. So there's that. Uh, but yeah, so this episode starts out Jughead voiceover Riverdale, once a safe, decent, innocent place, had become noir town, like the setting of a Raymond Chandler story filled with dames to kill for, postmen who like to ring twice, and more mobsters than a Scorsese retrospective at the Bijou. We were a town of lost souls, each of us wrestling with demons, each of us with secrets we were trying to keep. Mine was on the large side, <laughs> six foot five to be exact. Um, okay, so here's the deal. <laughs> uh, this was happening. I started the episode... The voiceover's happening, and I was like, God, Jughead's a nerd. Why is this happening to us? Well, here is my issue with not just this voiceover, but, like, the whole episode in general. A lot of TV shows do the, like, film noir episode. Uh, notably, I can think of the episode in Boy Meets World, if you remember that, which also starts off with a voiceover where they say, it was a night like any other, like day, but darker, <laughs> which I thought was so funny. I don't remember that, but what jumps out to me is uh, when Arthur did their detective episode, oh and it was about the quarters from the bank sale and Buster's the detective, and then the... Um, Spoiler alert, the quarters were in the brownies. Mrs. McGrady put them in. Okay, I didn't remember anything about what you were just saying until you got the quarters are in the brownies, and then it sounded really familiar. So I think I completely know what you're talking about now. Wow. Yeah, I'm sure you, every single human alive has watched that episode of Arthur. I think it's probably one of the episodes of Arthur I've seen the most. Oh, uh, quality stuff. I was a big stuff. Arthur stan, honestly. Yeah. Arthur was good. I used to watch it on the TV I had, like, in our bonus room that... Uh, just like you had to bang it so that it wasn't staticky and had little bunny ears on it. Pretty much only got PBS in there, but I loved it. Well, and it's funny now because if you see like a new episode of Arthur, because they are still producing them, the voices are all different. Mm. And so now it's like, hi, I'm Arthur. But then DW is like, hi, I'm DW. <laughs> and it's so funny. Oh, wow. I did not know they were still making Arthur. They are wow. still making Arthur. And honestly, what do kids these days need more than Arthur? I can't think of anything. But yeah, so here, the thing is, my issue with this is that, like, if you're going to go for the film noir episode, you need to go all in, full parody, make it black and white, pretend like it's much like they did with the, you know, musical episode. Like, you need to go all in in one theme. But instead, they just sort of, like, made Jughead slightly more weird than normal and put Veronica in a weird hat. And that was about it. Like, Betty, Archie, they did not have any elements of the film noir in their segments. Well, and the thing is, is I feel like the entire show Riverdale has, like, a slight film noir yeah, so like vibe like to it. Yeah, like, a tiny bit far. There, but yeah. not all the way. So it was just, I, they didn't need to do this. Um, yeah. And it just, it doesn't make sense to me. Veronica has real money. She can hire a real private detective. Jughead is just full of the same, like, two references this entire episode. Like, he, he mentions the big sleep a couple times. And he mentions Raymond Chandler. And I gotta say, like, the big sleep is one of my favorite, um, is one of my favorite novels. And I, I would have rather them called this episode The Big Sleep rather than The Red Dahlia because that reference doesn't hit anywhere as hard. But have you ever read The Big Sleep? No. 
I don't so, know what it is. Can you tell me? Yeah, it's a detective fiction uh, book, and I took a class on detective fiction in college just oh, for fun. So did I. So I really love that, but it's usually compared with uh, the Big Sleep is usually compared with the Maltese Falcon. Those two books are kind of like known as two of the best. I don't know classic detective books but i don't know i prefer the big sleep they both have the same actor in them um but then like yeah he's always he's he's calling everyone bacall and bogart he references himself as bogart a couple times and that's so weird like don't say like what would what would bogart do or what would bacall do because like those are actors it's not them reference maybe the characters you could say like what would philip marlowe do but i don't know it just would be weird and no one says like i don't know what would what would uh, Brad Pitt do instead of referencing, like, his character name? One. now what Brad Pitt movie would you actually want to know what his character would do? Yeah, that was a bad example. I was thinking... Like Fight Club, I guess? <laughs> yeah, I was thinking actually more like, for whatever reason, um, Ocean's Eleven popped into my head. And so I was going to be like, what would Danny Ocean do instead of saying, you know, what would George Clooney do? But then I didn't want to say George Clooney, so I said Brad Pitt. I don't know. My train of thought. Why? Look. You keep bringing up these Ocean's movies. This is, the second, a- this is the second Oceans reference on this podcast, and I feel attacked <sighs> that it wasn't about Oceans 8 either time. Look, it, Oceans 8's fine, but Oceans 11 is one of my favorite movies, so... Well, I've never seen any of them except for Oceans 8. Okay, well, you should really go back and watch them. They're really but good. But I don't, I don't want to, because I left Oceans 8 feeling so powerful. I was like, is this how men feel after every single movie? Um, The women in Oceans 11 are also... There's, like, one woman, so... <laughs> Wow, one woman? No, but like generally, I would say the women in the Ocean's movies are fine. It's not, a, look, it's not about the women. It's just the, the guys are cool too. You can have cool guys. I don't know. I didn't say you can't have cool guys. I just, I never felt more powerful than when I left the theater after seeing Ocean's 8. And I know that none of the other Ocean's movies are going to give me that feeling. I watched it on a plane, so. I don't like watching stuff on planes. I have to. I can't sleep, so I need to do something. Oh, I could sleep anywhere. I'd rather listen to a podcast, though, and play 2048 for as many hours as You still play 2048? Oh, my gosh. Only only on a plane. (laughs) Only on a plane do I ever feel like, oh, I want to play 2048. There's so many other app games you can play. Download Cooking Fever and play Cooking Fever. It is okay. This is not a sponsored content, but Cooking Fever. Use our code Cow with (laughs) a K. (laughs) Cooking Fever is the best app game. I would really like someone to reach out to me if they also play it. I think it should be mandatory that everyone working in like the food industry should be required to play time management video games because like you don't know how many times i've seen someone like two people order a hamburger and they'll make one hamburger and then they'll go start from scratch and make the second hamburger like no put two buns down to put two patties down do it at the same time time management it's very important now i don't want to get stressed out when i'm on a plane and that sounds very stressful i like to get it i download a bunch of podcasts i download a bunch of playlists on spotify so that i can zoom around i make sure i have a book and then I normally end up spending almost the entire time playing 2048 and listening to podcasts. Well, it would not be stressful if you're playing Cooking Fever while also listening to the Riverdale podcast only on Kowski Cast. It's crazy how we're the only Riverdale recap podcast. If you want to talk about Riverdale, like you can't go anywhere else. The no, there's, only definitely, there's definitely no other. Look, there's none that are as angry as ours. <laughs> Probably. What a claim to fame. Okay, let's go back into this episode. So... Yeah, the Jughead voiceover, a whole film noir, mm, I'm going to say boot it, and let's get except, into the meat of the episode. Except for one thing, is I did appreciate the fact that this was the first episode we've had in, oh my gosh, I don't know, like, season three, that's like back to murder mystery, detective roots, they even mention things from season one a lot of times, which I really appreciate. Griffins and Gargoyles was mentioned exactly one time in this episode, and it was, like, said in passing. It was not important. So, thank you. I miss, like, narrative typewriter Jughead. I'm sick of Serpent Jughead. But what happened to Laptop Jughead? Why the hell is he (laughs) writing on a typewriter? Didn't Benny give him the typewriter at some point? That's so stupid. I'm sorry. A typewriter is expensive for no reason because... It's functionally useless. What, you're going to write one copy of something? You're going to type it out? It's probably going to have like a wonky sideways letter Y or something. You make a mistake and you're all, you don't have correction tape. I don't believe anyone has it anymore. So what, you have to start over? And then what, if you want it to be electronic, you're going to scan it in and then print it again? It's the stupidest. Sorry, I got really really mad about that. So do you, would you say that you hate Archie or typewriters more? (laughs) 
Oh, Archie. Definitely Archie. Because a typewriter kind of has a function. Okay. At least we're <laughs> at least we're back to back to normal with that. Um Okay, so let's <laughs> let's get into the Archie stuff, shall we? Our yes. favorite character. All right. So Archie is struggling. He needs a sense of purpose. He's got he's got nothing going on. He's angry. He's maybe an alcoholic. He's definitely a punchaholic. We know that. He is a punchaholic. And yeah, we're definitely supposed to assume he is an alcoholic. Well, he's I I, I see I don't know. Look, I'm not an like, expert think- on alcoholism, but it seems like he's he's doing the like using it for escape thing. Um and he's I, just well- being a moody angsty boy. I think that if we look at this, uh, you could definitely say Archie has a drinking problem. Yes. But you probably couldn't say he's an alcoholic. But I think the show wants us to believe that he is an alcoholic. Yeah. All right. Definitely not going not going great. Um, so he mentions, like, maybe not wanting to go to college, which he's trying to be all like, yeah, because there's more important things. When really it's like, yeah, because you bailed out on the SAT and you probably and wouldn't like, have gotten mm- in anyway. Archie, you're not even going to graduate high school, so I think it's a little bit, uh, he's trying to save face by saying, oh yeah, I don't want to go to college, because it's like, yeah, Archie, you're never getting into college. You aren't even going to probably get to your senior year. Yeah. So he tries to go work for Fred, which, um, thank you for mentioning the fact that Fred still has a company and has been doing this, because, oh my gosh, all right, so on our list, out of our three dads of Riverdale that I care about, got one, got a job, Fred Andrews, check. Now, we don't actually see him working, but he does have a construction He firm, owns so. the company. So, right, you so know what? Close he enough. He has a job. Um, so, Archie is on the site working, and he is, like, super angry boy, and uh, the head guy comes up to him. What's his name? Like, Vic. And Vic comes uh, up to him and is like, hey, dude, you need to take your 15 because we're under union rules. And, um, yes, I worked at uh, a major retail firm for a couple years and yeah they were like very anti-union because they i don't know whatever but they 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 make you watch like a video in the um orientation about how anti-union they are but they do require you to take like 15 minute breaks and you will get in major trouble if you don't like clock out for at least if it's like 14 35 like no can do you need to take your mandatory 15 minute yeah those are legally mandated i think even if you're not in a union you are still like entitled to a certain number of breaks and what's stupid is i currently have a union job and i i don't always get my 15 minute breaks see you should you should you should be protected by that union well i i will write to my union rep immediately this is definitely a bigger concern than the fact that it's been almost a year since our collective agreement expired and they still have not come to a new one Cool. cool. I love um, not getting a raise. Yeah. Well, and Archie clearly doesn't understand this whole union yeah. issue because also, he... What? Sorry. Um, but what Archie also doesn't understand is child labor laws. Yes. Uh, and why is Fred letting him work instead of go to school? Well, I assumed he was still going to high school. But then again, like, we get no high school. Maybe it's like just this whole episode takes place over a weekend. Shall we just assume that? Let's just no, assume mm, that. I mean... Then a lot of this show has happened on weekends, and I guess that explains why they've been able to keep up with their SAT prep. Let's go with that. But yeah, so Archie decides to get in a fight with the head guy, Vic. Uh, and like a physical a fight with like a big guy. Yeah, he definitely cannot take him, but he's just angry and just like wants an excuse to fight. Uh, and so like Fred fires him, which is smart. Also, Fred found the alcohol he was held, uh, hiding in his room, which like, yeah, remember how I said last time that he wasn't hiding it very well? It was just like in a drawer in his bedroom so thank you fred for being a good parent and well and then on your child um fred uses the opportunity to say you've got to get it together and just yell at his kid instead of being like what's going on what happened to you while you were missing for five weeks uh i don't i don't know if that would have helped i mean he needs some tough love well he does he i feel like it just wasn't fred to be like you need to sort yourself out instead of being like What's going on? I feel like I miss, like, soft Fred. Archie, and then he just, like, goes to the speakeasy because Fred took his alcohol, so he goes to take some shots, and Reggie is trying to cut him off, which, and he's like, oh, I'll get you a cab. A cab? It's not like Archie drove here. He's probably just gonna walk home, right? we don't know how big Riverdale is. What if he falls in Sweetwater River and drowns? But it's not like he's gonna get caught by, like, a cop, like, drunk walking home. Like, the cop is freaking FP. (laughs) Yeah, the cops don't care about the speakeasy. I also think it's funny how they're like, yeah, this is an illegal speakeasy where we can <laughs> where we can serve alcohol to minors at any time. However, we're going to cut you off when you get too drunk. 
Because how drunk is too drunk for a 16-year-old? Thank you for bringing back the spikizi. Spikizi. I thought I thought it was a good moment. Oh, it was really great. Yeah, I also don't like the fact that Josie is basically demoted to, like, background music in all of these shows. Like, she finally says some words in this episode. But for the past several times we've seen her, I, like, at the beginning of season three there was an episode i don't remember it was like episode two or three where actually it was probably later than that but there was an episode where reggie and josie and kevin they all like sit together and pops made a scene of just them there were no lead actors in it just them and they were getting ready to play griffins and gargoyles and we we're like oh my gosh we're just gonna be a whole plot line with them nope just nope no we will never they never give josie what she deserves i just really wonder like what's going on with kevin and moose and like there are so many little plot lines they set up episodes ago that we still haven't gotten anything from i don't know truly so then yeah archie like approaches josie and her like apparently she has security now and they're like whoa get away from her and Josie's like, no, that's my friend. I know him. And then she, I don't know where I think this- that's like, well, I think this is the other bartender, Toby. Because didn't they hire oh. a second bartender at one point? I, this is like ringing looking, small bells. Here's the thing. If you're looking for facts, I'm not the person to ask. I, look, I just think that I probably at some point got really angry about an adult being hired as a bartender when it was supposed to be FP FP's and job, then it wasn't. Yeah. So this seems normal. But like Toby, this other bartender. Yeah, because Reggie won't serve him anymore. So Archie wants that. And so Toby shows up and like shoves Archie onto the counter. And Josie's like, hey, no, help. Hey, I'm no, gonna... that's my friend. And then she drags Archie into a bathroom, which is this bathroom in the speakeasy or in her house? I think it's his house. And I have no idea how she got him home. Okay. Well, anyways, they're suddenly in a really creepy bathroom, which I'm honestly like, Fred Andrews, you own a construction company. What's fix cre- your what's creepy fix about your the house. It's, it's just like, like a the, normal tub. The color scheme and the tiles, <laughs> and it just it reminded me of like a horror. Like I was expecting like a dead body or something. I don't know. If Jesse's this like, episode was black and white, it wouldn't be as creepy. No, that would be creepier. <laughs> yeah, and but at so least jo- you wouldn't be able to tell the color scheme. Josie yells at him a bit and is like, you need some tough love. You need a a physical and metaphorical cold shower. And I'm like, "Mm, it's not, he's not like a sexual addict like I cold showers cold showers like, are just for that cold well, showers no, I'm not saying cold showers are just <laughs> for that I'm just saying like that's the most common like colloquial phrase would be like a cold shower would be like if he couldn't yeah but I feel like it's also a, it's also a thing when people drink where you like take like a drunk person and like dunk their head in cold water doesn't that happen if someone dunked my head in cold water when I was drunk I would literally murder them um anyway so she turns on the cold water on him and it's like okay cool he's magically sober she makes him drink this concoction of like cayenne and lemon and then it's like cool archie's not an alcoholic anymore no <laughs> it's fixed but she, but she does tell him like hey uh you should channel your anger into something instructive like go boxing with kevin's dad okay or uh or, or, or do some music she like offers the music thing and then she's like yeah he's not gonna do music and he kind of laughs and she's like okay yeah and then he's like okay yeah i could do those normal things or i'm gonna go kill find my last demon and kill it and yeah realistic or um you know like a normal person she is very concerned by this she's yeah he's like i faced my demons i killed them and she's like uh back it up now what and he also says i killed myself which she's yeah. also like okay huh. all right i just i can only imagine if I've, i'm in a house alone with someone and they start saying things like this i'm just backing away slowly until i've made it to the street outside and i can run away like it's the most terrifying thing Oh, it is very much. But yeah, so Archie's magically not an alcoholic anymore, but he will murder. Yeah, so he gets a gun. I don't know which gun this is, but okay, he has a gun. Do you think it's Miss Grundy's gun from season no, one? No, Miss Grundy's gun was a lot smaller, and I'm pretty sure Betty still had that. I don't know. Archie has bought a couple guns at different times. This might be like some gun he had in Canada. Who knows? Oh, is this the one he got for the Black Hood? Maybe, but I thought they threw that in the river. See, I don't know. The discontinuity. Archie has a gun. Not sure where he got it. And he goes to the hospital and just like no one is there. I don't know why the hospital is completely deserted. But he goes into Hiram's room with a gun and he's talking at Hiram and he's like, Hiram, you took me under my under your wing and and then you taught me how to use fear as a weapon and and but you know I'm still mad because the worst thing you did to me was that after having going through the trauma of having my dad shot in my arms at Pops, you hired someone else to shoot him at my at our own home which like 
I mean, yeah, fair that that was, like, I pretty mean, bad. But I feel like this is the first time that's really been mentioned in a while. So I kind of, like, forgot about that. It wasn't, like, a huge pivotal moment, at least yeah, to I me. Was, I was going to say, oh, when did that happen? I don't really remember it. Yeah. Um. So, okay. Cool. And, uh... And then the door opens and a man in a hood comes in and goes to get ready to shoot Hiram. And I like knew the second the guy in the black hood comes in, you're like, all right, well, Archie's going to shoot that guy. Um, Which like when you really think about it, I'm not sure if we're supposed to believe like, did Archie have sort of second thoughts about killing Hiram and was like, oh, wow, I can like stop a murder here. Or was he like, oh, this guy might see me and then also shoot me. Or was he like having flashbacks to the black hood? Because even if he was having flashbacks to the back black hood, he knows the black hood was... Um, he knows that the Black Hood was Betty's dad, and so he knows this is not her, and he knows that it's not even the person who came in and shot his dad the second time, because that's tall boy. So, like, he shoots completely without even thinking about, like, who the Well, but, like, is. if it's, like, a post-traumatic stress thing, he could have had, like, a flashback. Yeah, and, but... Like, it, isn't aware of reality. It just didn't... I didn't necessarily feel like that's what they were getting at. I don't know. It was kind of weird when you think about it. But anyway, he does that and saves Hiram's life. And then Hiram's awake. And so he talks to him. And they call a truce. And they shake hands. And okay, guess we're... A right. life for a life. Yeah. Hiram has actively tried to murder Archie. Got him falsely imprisoned several times over months and months. Archie shoots one guy to protect Hiram. They're even now... Yeah, I mean, there were a couple truces made in this episode that I feel like are not going to hold. So let's go ahead and make a bet. How long do you think this truce holds? Um, half of the next episode. All right. I'll go with the over on that. I think we won't eat. I think the truce will still be held next episode, but I think the one after that. I think by episode 13, we're back to at least one of them I going after the other. we're either going to lose the truce right away or it'll be one of those continuity things where we never hear about it again. Okay, that's possible. Uh, and then, yeah, at the end of the episode, Archie talks with Josie, and he's like, okay, uh, can you talk to Mr. Keller about, about boxing? Like, maybe we could do that, and also you want to jam sometime? And she's like, oh my and gosh, like, like the old days? Like the old days? And I was like, oh my god, like the old days. It, it, like the old days, except they jammed together, like, exactly one time, and he didn't even really jam. He just changed one word in her song that one time. He kind of jammed with uh, Valerie, but that's not her. But I guess we're just pretending they're all the same person at this point. I wonder if uh, she will try to teach him about white privilege again and if he will be more or less receptive to that this time. Well, it's, he can't possibly be less receptive than he was last time. Uh, so No, he was right. Okay. Mm, mm, no, he was not. <laughs> Don't believe yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was sarcasm in case you didn't catch that. Just so everyone's aware. Yeah. All right, well, you want to talk about Betty because she also had sort of a separate little individual plot line. I would love to talk about Betty. Great. Betty hasn't had a good murder investigation in a minute. Although, yes. Although, like, while I enjoyed all of the scenes with Betty, the whole concept kind of, like, threw me off in this episode because I feel like Betty, they, they made out Betty to be, like, extremely black and white, like, all murderers are horrible people and deserve to die, which, like, I'm not going to argue that point, but... She's she, never been like that. I don't though. think she's ever been like that before this episode. And so they were, yeah, trying to get that point across. And um, and so all of a sudden she's, like, wanting to avenge the deaths of, like, all the people that Penelope Blossom has killed. When I'm like, yeah, but, like, they were all really bad people, too. I don't know. It just kind of reminded me of in, like, superhero movies where, like, Superman won't kill the bad guy and then result in, like, more deaths and stuff. Like hey, I mean, yes, Penelope did murder people and so maybe she should be in jail, but, like, she speaks about it like Penelope, like those people didn't deserve to die also, which... I mean, I don't think you can say anyone deserves to die. No, That's but a, I'm just not, an like... an interesting take. No, but, like, if you're going to fight people who are killing people, fight the people who are killing innocent people. Not fight Penelope, who is, like... Like, it's not even, like, okay, Betty, do you really not, like, did you really want Claudius to be alive right now? Do you really want, um, Clifford or, Dar like, well, I don't know, Daryl Doily, like, he, was he really a bad guy? Hard to tell. We don't really know anything about him. We have him. no idea. Yeah. So, uh, Betty is talking with her dad again, and, um... But I'm still still glad that it's murder mystery stuff and not the weird supernatural gargoyle king stuff. Um, but yeah, so she's like, oh my gosh, Claudius, he ingested cyanide and then he was cremated so nobody had an autopsy on him. Oh my gosh. Okay, and here's my first issue with this. You don't get to just decide if there's an autopsy or not. That just, it happens, like, if there's ever any suspicion, they're going to do some level of autopsy. Like, 
he was otherwise an okay guy and he just like dies in prison, they're gonna do an autopsy on that. That's not up for debate. Penelope doesn't get to just go, hey, we don't really want one this time. Because guess what? The minute someone's like, hey, you know what? We don't actually need the autopsy. It's fine. Uh, That's when you know you need the autopsy more than ever before. I don't know. It, it seems odd that she has that much power over the, I don't know, death system or whatever. Well, and also it seems like these um these doctors, they love doing autopsies even when they're not supposed to so yeah we also get a couple creepy things with how being like oh my gosh yes poison it does suit her it's subtle and elegant uh is penelope really subtle because kind of feel like she's or the elegant of is she even elegant or is she tacky <laughs> uh, eh, i don't know she was elegant in season one when she was wearing those long lacy nightgowns was that elegant <laughs> or was something. it Tacky. It was something. Um, yeah, so Betty goes to investigate this whole Claudius thing. So she goes to the funeral for him. Although it's unclear if she, like, knew the funeral was happening or she just showed up at the Blossom house and was like, oh, crap, there's a funeral going on. Because she's not even wearing black. She could have tried harder. She, well, she should have done the Blossom special and come in all white. Oh, the, the Blossom <laughs> special. Pull a Cheryl. Uh, and Pull yeah, a the, Cheryl. The people there, there's Cheryl, Tony, some red-haired man, another red-haired woman, old guy, Nana Rose. And Nana Rose is like, Penelope has crocodile tears. Um, How so. is Nana Rose still alive? You know what? I don't know, but she may or may not be like my favorite character at but this point. But who's taking care of her? Like, she obviously needs, like, significant care. Uh, yeah. Yeah, she does. But, oh, well. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then, like... Betty is asking Cheryl about her dad's death and like obviously this is a tough subject for Cheryl because like her dad killed her brother I don't know just it seems a little tactless for Betty to be questioning this person especially at like another funeral investigating she has to ask the hard-hitting questions Mm. I love that Tony is just fully supporting of Cheryl though and like tells her to back off and I love the fact that we finally have some tension again between Cheryl and some of the other characters. I'm tired of, like, Cheryl being best friends with everyone all of a sudden. So glad we had this going on. Can't we just replace Archie with Cheryl and then Archie can be the one with conflict? I, w- I would be fine with that. Completely fine. Cheryl Dale. Yeah. Betty ends up, yeah, investigating Clifford's death. And apparently M- Penelope also requested that there not be a autopsy for that one. But Dr. Curdle Sr. did one anyway and found pufferfish venom in his bloodstream which like again it's kind of weird that like penelope's killing everybody with poison but it's not even the same poison each time which she, i mean i guess is good but like where is she getting puffer fish venom she just loves poison so much that she will do anything to poison someone and it's also it's creepy how this town like how many people has she murdered where she was just like yeah we don't need an autopsy on this one and then they're like okay cool um, and then how many autopsies did Dr. Curdle do that he wasn't supposed to do? Because that's also really friggin' creepy. Like, my father was a curious man. Yeah, I don't know. Both Curdles are just creepy. What kind of family business is, like, being a... What type of doctor is that? What's that called? A mortician, maybe? Yeah. Know. What What the hell kind of family business? Well, if you watch Haunting of Hill House, there's definitely some of that in there as well. Well, so. also Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, they have a mortuary in their basement. So Yes. But they're yeah. witches who are like prey Satan, so it's different. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then, so, Betty confronts Penelope again, and she just, like, is like, hey, I know that you killed all these people, and Penelope's finally like, yeah, I totally did, whatever, I don't even care. She's like, what of it? These men were trash, I only kill men, and honestly, I have never liked or respected her more than this moment. Yeah, again, like, I'm not trying to argue that these people deserve to die or anything, but I'm just saying, I don't understand why Betty is so upset about it, and, like, why she has this weird personal vendetta against Penelope I don't know that part just kind of is I just like how Penelope's like I didn't kill people I killed men yes queen we also find out from Penelope that the (laughs) reason for the seizures was because the uh the fizzle rocks factory that Claudius was working on was dumping runoff into the river so haha they did poison the water supply like we guessed Okay, but here's the thing. Why are only girls having this? Like, are we just to believe that the boys don't drink water? Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I'm not sure what kind of chemical could only affect girls. There, there's a lot of stuff that, like, doesn't make sense about this. Like, 
Betty's seizure, I'm pretty sure, happened way before the Fizzle Rock stuff we even knew about. Also, then, well, like, Well, we Ethel didn't know had, about it, but it was starting. I guess, but then, like, Ethel had two seizures. I'm just saying there were a lot of, like, individual people getting seizures really spaced out. And then, like, all the cheerleaders. And, like, if it's only affecting girls, why is it not affecting all of the girls? Just some of them. Well, and I, I, as- I, I assume know. there's also some kind of supernatural element to that. I, I'm sure. I refuse to believe that this is how they're closing that chapter. Yeah, I, I'm sure there's going to be more. We just haven't got there yet, but we'll see. Um, yeah, you know, I, I was ta- like saying how there was no Gargoyle King stuff. Maybe we're just kind of done with that. I hope so. Uh, it's very possible. It was kind of a weird ending if we did, but yeah, anyway. Yeah, Betty's like, just because someone's a horrible person doesn't give you the right to kill them, which is true. Like, I don't think Penelope has the right to kill these people, but she's also, she has a reason behind why she's doing it, you know, like- Okay, but then, so lots of serial killers have a reason why they do it, too, and it's because they, like, were betrayed by someone who looked like that, and so if they see someone with dark hair parted down the middle, they will snap and murder them. That doesn't make that okay, either. I think that we need to establish right now that Kowski cast has a very strong anti-murder stance. Right. We are very anti-murder. Very much. We are more anti-murder than we are anti-underage drinking on the scale of things that we are anti. (laughs) I'm not even, like... Just that, that anti-underage drinking. We do not condone underage drinking on this <laughs> podcast or murder. Um, <laughs> just, just the general disclaimer. But no, but I'm talking about like in the context of the show, Betty. I like I said a couple episodes ago. I we cannot name a single person in Riverdale who has not been part of or completely responsible or privy to a murder happening yeah, okay because it's betty, a film noir town yeah betty literally basically sent someone to their execution in chick she also covered up a murder in the dude who came after chick like her boyfriend has probably killed people. i feel like jughead killed someone i just don't like remember who it was but i feel like that happened um so like yeah there's been good guys who've died there's been bad guys who've died there's been good guys who killed there's been bad guys who've killed and i think that we just need to acknowledge that betty's being a little bit hypocritical here I mean, we can, but I just don't really understand why this is the hill you're choosing to die on. I just don't understand her, like, when did she become this, like, justice for bad guys person? She just, she doesn't have any reason to care about these people getting murdered. No, she doesn't. She just wants, I think she's just mad about the whole Penelope thing because she knows that Penelope is secretly right and she's jealous that she is not in the BDSM sex club. Ew, I think she's probably more upset that Penelope's having sex with her dad. Well, okay, or that. So yeah, at the end of the episode, Betty meets with Hal again, and uh, she feels a little bit of pity towards Penelope, so there's that, and Hal's like, yeah, maybe one day you'll feel pity for me, because Betty's like, not every murderer is guilty, and maybe not every victim is innocent. Mm. No, every murderer is is guilty. guilty. They're guilty of the murder, they just, like, there's different levels of cruelty behind that. Or, like, you can justify it sometimes, which, like, I don't think murder's ever the solution. I don't think you can really justify murder. But, like, sometimes you could be like, oh, yeah, I can understand why this person snapped. And I want to be very, very clear. I am talking about this within complete context of the fact that this is a TV show. And when you talk about Game of Thrones, you're not, like, nitpicking why people are chopping each other's heads off. Same thing. It's I do nitpick the beheading. (laughs) Okay. Whatever. I rest my case. We do not condone murder. Um, but yeah, but I do think like Hal is in a completely different category here. They, they do have a point when he says that he thinks that Penelope and him are products of their upbringing, which is an interesting discussion, but I, I, I just don't think that Betty is ever going to completely forgive Hal, and I don't think she should either, because he was killing arguably much more innocent people. Yeah, he reasons. was killing just because he kind of wants to kill people. I don't know. I, I just, at some point you kind of have to think about, like, can you really blame the emotion behind why Penelope killed her husband? No, he murdered their son and then lied to her about it. That I understand much more than her killing her brother-in-law. Let's talk about Veronica. So Veronica is all in on the mob now, basically. Yeah, again, with people acting like contrary to how they've been the whole thing. Like, why is Veronica so intent upon protecting her family? Because like you've disowned yourself. What is that called? You've mis- you've emancipated yourself. You've like you've got a job. You don't need the money. You don't need the protection. You don't like your father. Hard to say if you even like your mom at this point. I just don't know why she cares. Like let your family go down. Whatever. Well, I assume it's the thing where she like thought she was cool and then her dad got shot and she was like, "Oh, I still love um, my daddy." 
But Elio's back and he brings flowers and then Veronica quotes Samuel Clemens, which I thought was kind of weird. Like, who does that? Just say Mark Twain. Like, we know, I don't know. Only really highbrow people would call him Samuel Clemens. It's like I, quoting Dr. Seuss and calling him whatever Dr. Seuss's name actually is. Theodore Geisel. That's right. But Elio's like, yeah, you should probably just like, you know, team up with our family because people are going to try to swoop in on Hiram's territory. You know, the hit might not go unfinished, which I guess is kind of like, hey, maybe it was the mob people who came after Hiram, except it definitely wasn't the mob people who came after Hiram. The so. mob people would have actually succeeded. Yeah. That's, first of all. Like, <sighs> and then the other thing too is it's like, Elio, do you think Veronica's just going to forget how you physically tried to screw her over at the casino night just four episodes ago? Like, you tried to rob her blind when she mortgaged the spakeasy. Elio's kind of hot, though. Yeah, Elio is really hot. <laughs> yeah. But that that's like, Elio is hot, so you would, like, go knock boots upstairs, not tie your financial future to him. What? I said upstairs and pops. And I'm no, no, like, upstairs in, like, their hotel. <laughs> okay. Uh, um. No, no, I do not condone sex at Pop's Diner. Slash yeah. chocolate shop. Chocolate shop. Uh, so then Veronica goes to the hospital to see her daddy-o, and she's talking with uh, Leo and Nico. So do you want to tell them what we found out about Leo and Nico? They are brothers. The actors I've been, are brothers. The actors are brothers. I've been told they're twin brothers, but I'm pretty sure it's fraternal. Okay. You are just... Like not they don't the look the, the same. And I was googling them after Hannah told us this, and I was like, yeah, they look quite like they look even more different and like other stuff. I they're not identical twins; they're fraternal twins. Whatever. The thing. Anyways, is, they are brothers, but also brothers. more importantly, they are not the exact same person. No, but like, I, they are not two completely different people either. They actually, yes, they are. <laughs> what are you and your sister not completely different? You're completely they're different twins. people. They're twins. Fraternal? You know, just like how Cheryl and Jason are the exact same person. No, they were very different people. And Polly's twins. And only one of them was hot. And it was Cheryl. Yeah, because she sucked all the hotness out of Jason in the womb. (laughs) That sounds disgusting. Um, Yeah, but the, uh, the, the, the... Capo guys, is that what it's called? Capos? I think yes. so. Yeah, the Capo guys, they're like, hey, it's too late. No one's seen the Man in Black. No one is collecting the Vig. To which I was like, what the heck is collecting the Vig? So I had to look the, it up. Did you know this that. term? I figured it out from context clues. Okay. Well, it says vigorish or simply the vig, also known as juice under juice, the cut of the take, is the amount charged by a bookmaker, bookie, or mobster. I'm like, hey, why didn't we just say collecting the take, their cut of the take? Or I would have preferred collecting the under juice because Ew, that sounds no. so silly. Never say under juice again. That sounds disgusting. Uh, hashtag under juice. No! <laughs> I will block anyone who uses hashtag under two. So, yeah, I, I I don't know. I just don't really get why Veronica cares anymore. But the goons are also, they seem to be with Elio. They're like, hey, you should join the Grande family. Um, and she's like, I don't need you to mob explain this to me. So she And I them. loved that. I did love that, too. Uh, although she didn't know, like, what a capo was a couple episodes ago. Or that was probably season two. But still, well, there was a thing. Yeah, I just... I don't understand. Like, I feel like as a capo, you don't get to have a say. You're just supposed to protect them. It's like, Seems why do like I think a, it's okay for them to say that? Like, what's the perk of the job that you don't get murdered by the people who are doing all the murdering? Well, I think it's like you get in on the ground floor so you can be one of the murderers. But, like, when you look at all of the different capos from this show, none of them Archie have ended was well. probably the most successful one of them all. Yeah, probably probably she meets up with smithers and reggie and they just like let's just kind of blow through this basically she gathers smithers and reggie uh reggie she calls him her jack to jack of all trades which okay i i'm on board reggie still hottest guy in the show yeah Even i love hotter it. than elio and he's basically just her new capo which is kind yeah. of fun we take reggie downstairs for fun <laughs> they're gonna go to the docks and collect some money uh with reggie dressed up like her dad which is the creepiest thing in the world and why does he have to wear all black? Why can't he just wear the hat? The He's in a black. car with tinted windows. It's the man in black. 
Yeah, but no one is gonna see. The I think whole I think thing. he was wearing all black anyway because that's what he wears normally when he works as the bartender. Well, it's really creepy that he dresses exactly like her dad and kind of looks a little bit like her dad. A little bit. I love the fact that Smithers was in this episode though. I'm like, Flashback why do we? Smithers. Why do we care about Smithers? Uh, I just like to know that he's not dead. It's nice. That's true. Well, and then it's like, got to put on your bus driver cap. And it's like, well, Smithers isn't the one who originally drove them to Riverdale. So does Smithers just like live in Riverdale full time and only serves the the family in Riverdale? Well, he was a doorman for a particular hotel and then he got fired. So I don't know. Didn't he like work at like a somewhere else? He was in the army. Apparently we learned this episode. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and then there's just like a whole bunch of stuff with, uh, Veronica snooping through her dad's files or like, she's trying to, you know, get money and all that and continue her job as now taking over the, like the crime scene. But the problem is that Hermione has, ended up in this sort of weird paper trail. I was trying to follow all this. Basically, Hermione's name is on all these different receipts and invoices for the Fizzle Rock Empire. I don't really know why there are receipts and invoices anyway, but it sounds like Hermione found out about Claudius and Hiram and that they were creating drugs, so she shut it down by creating a distraction with the quarantine. And except instead of shutting it down, Hiram just consolidated everything to the prison, moved it away from the maple syrup factory, which is where it was. Hermione is mad about this and wants to sell it. Here's the thing, both Hermione and Penelope in this episode act like they only recently found out about the Fizzle Rock Empire and they were mad about it. I thought both of them were in on it the whole time. Like, we saw Penelope in all those meetings, so I don't know. I guess those weren't Fizzle Rock meetings. Yeah, so Hermione wants to, yeah, sell everything and she says she has like a She has a group that's going to buy it in all cash and what do you bet it's Elio's family. Oh my god, that would be so great if it was. Um, I was going to say it would be the nuns, but they're dead. So Yeah, the nuns killed themselves a few weeks ago. Uh, not the nuns. And they also weren't really nuns. Veronica is not happy about this. So she thinks her mom is potentially behind the shot on her father, which like, yeah, obviously. Here's the thing. At this point in the episode, we already know who shot Hiram. Like these kids, they need to have a group text or something and like update each other with like, hey, just found out about this thing, the poisoning, the water supply, just found out because like Betty and Jughead even, they sort of like get the same information, but at different times and they could have just done this so much easier and quicker and same thing with with uh veronica well and it's especially weird when it is like betty and jughead it's like they're together they're in love you would think they would be texting like hey update on my case yeah there's always like one person who seems to be one step behind and sometimes it seems like by the next episode they told everybody everything but like i'm not even sure at this point who knows about tall boy being the gargoyle king and like who knows he's dead hard to tell Veronica wants to cut her mom off and break into the prison, steal the drugs, and destroy them. And she ends up getting she ends up getting Reggie to do this because she's distracted by Archie telling her about the the shot on her dad at the yes. hospital. Now, what do you think Archie told Veronica about why she was there? He was there in the first place. Well, he said like I was here to see you, which. <sighs> But does he mention that he shot the guy? Because then it's going to be like, why see, is Archie no, a because Since the guy ran away, like if the guy was dead there, I think he probably said, I was here to see you. I came in because they're still under the impression that Archie like protected them uh, or protected Hiram and saved his life. But they don't act like Archie. They, they don't say anything like, why did you have a gun here in the first place? So I'm sure he said something like a guy came with a gun and I scared him away or something. So... Yeah, I'm not really sure. That part's unclear. And and then Archie's like, yeah, I don't hate him anymore. Why not? Like, he totally still should hate Hiram, so whatever. Uh, yeah. But they, they uh, you know, our jacked jack-of-all-trades somehow was able to sneak into this prison and steal all the drugs and equipment. I, like, all there, of it in is one. Is there just no one working there? I don't know. Well, I feel like with Hiram in the hospital, it's kind of like the Wild West. I'm surprised that this stuff hadn't already been stolen by someone else. Yeah. It's fair. Um... So they burn it all and Hermione's all mad and Veronica's like, yeah, well, I'm on to you. So don't mess with me. And Hermione's like, uh, we already got paid in full for this and I've used that money. So we, you don't even know what you've done. And I'm like, no illegal group is going to pay all of their cash up front without getting it. Like maybe she would have had half of the money. There's no way she would have gotten the full money in advance. That's not how life works. That and also, again, with the, like, needing to have text, why can't they just, why can't she just told Veronica, like, hey, just so you know, the deal went through, like, when it went through. Th- these people need to be more upfront with each other. They need to communicate. It's they, crucial. They really do. 
Okay, well, now for the sort of meat of the episode is the Jughead stuff. Jughead. Because at least he's the one who seems to have most of the information. Jughead and Fangs and Sweet Pea, they decide to lie to FP about Tallboy being killed, which... I love FP in the scene. He's like, all right, I'm going to pretend like I believe you idiots for now. Next time you see me have a better story. So I love that he like does not, see, you know, like he sees through them so easily. Um, well, and it's also, I feel like they're only lying because they feel like they have to because he's the the police. Yeah, I feel like if he wasn't the sheriff, they would have just told him. Um, also, like the corpse is just under the bed. Wouldn't you be able to smell that or something? That would definitely be smelling already. I also like how... Um, FP's like, so he did all of this and that's all you did? Like, he's on the one hand investigating as the sheriff, but on the other hand, he's like a very disapproving gang member. Also, I don't like the fact that they, for however long this episode took place for, a couple days or whatever, they just kept the corpse in the bang bunker. Like, the banker. <laughs> yeah, the banker. I'm just not happy about that. Um, well, also, obviously no one has been getting lucky. Yeah. Well, that's... No. They can't even uh, text. Do you think they have time for anything else? I think else? Penelope has been getting lucky, probably. Mm-hmm. And I guess how, right? He had those conjugal visits. Well, so. not in the bang bunker. So that's when Veronica tasks him with finding out who shot her father. So I don't know why she's paying him. I feel like he would have just done this without payment. But comes in handy later because throughout the episode, he kept just like giving bundles of money to people for answers. And I was confused about where he got this money from. But yeah, forgot. It was Veronica gave him a bunch of money. Veronica Lodge. And she, he'll get the other half when she finds out. Yeah, and he he also said, like, he's like, half the people in this town want to see your old man kick the maple barrel. No, why are we doing syrup stuff again? Stop with the maple syrup. I thought I we were done with that. I have had enough hatred on maple syrup to like, last a lifetime. Is Just the put blossoms- it on your waffles and move on with your life. Is the blossom syrup industry still a thing? <laughs> I, don't, I, mean, I don't even know. Oh, gosh. It's what the town was built on. Mm, right well yeah now it's crime town so hashtag crime town crimedale yeah crimedale um and at least they they have a lot of flashbacks in this episode at least they're doing black and white in the flashbacks but we actually yeah we have flashbacks to like veronica earlier in this season we have flashbacks to young penelope and um clifford that i think was in the uh, parent episode the breakfast club one midnight club yeah the midnight club different from the sad breakfast club yeah and then of course lots of flashbacks to archie and his creepy dream and stuff like that that was annoying i don't need any more of that unless he's gonna actually be dead and then i'm fine with it yeah so veronica's like hey you should probably go talk to my mom because i bet she has some involvement in this and then jughead's like yeah okay and so he just straight up asks He's like, hey, Mayor Mayor Lodge, did you shoot your husband? And she said, no, she was on the phone with Hiram when he was shot. Which is interesting because, yes, Hiram was on the phone when he was shot. And we, he seemed to be talking, he was like talking about how he knew the serpents were going to do the whole tall boy thing. And that's why he didn't meet them on the docks Uh, in the last episode. He was expecting the citizen's arrest. Right. And so I don't know if he actually was talking to her. Like, if he was talking to her, it seems like she was very clued in to what was going on, and yet she also acts in this episode like she wasn't clued in to everything, and that's why she got mad about the Thizzle Rock Empire. So hard to tell on that front. I think they're trying to make us think that Hermione's a bad guy. Well, it's interesting. So this episode with Hermione, like, here's what I don't like, is the fact that in season one, Hermione was very in control of everything because Hiram wasn't there. So she seemed like someone who was trying to not necessarily start from scratch because she definitely was still sort of relying on a little bit of her husband's ways with crime and paying off the serpents and stuff like that. But we had a very, like, powerful woman who seemed to kind of not really trust her husband. And then when Hiram came back through most of season two, it's like Hermione was just kind of whoever the writers wanted her to be. And she was sometimes extremely like she just seemed like in his pocket and she seemed to not really care anymore and she seemed really weak and also Hiram threatened her a lot so I don't like it did not seem good and she didn't have any control anymore and so I don't really like the fact that they're like haha she had control all along she was biding her time like it seems kind of kind of like a cop out Hermione's like by the way he had this mistress here's some photos of him with her like maybe it's something to do with her don't look at me so Jughead takes these photos he, I don't really remember how they go to the hotel, but Betty comes with him to track this woman down, this blonde woman who is played by Kelly Ripa. 
Hiram's real life wife. Yeah, can- which I I like the fact that um they had Kelly Ripa in here. I wish we could have gotten a scene between the two of them. But I think we will see more of her. I I, don't I think so think too. That we're done. It seemed like a really small part if it was just for this one episode. Um, but yeah, like they go to the hotel and they end up. That's when they find Penelope's sex club. Which which is it a sex club or is it a brothel? Because those are not the same thing. <laughs> yeah, they're not the same thing. And I was also confused because it seemed like she kept wanting a brothel and it seemed like she didn't have one yet. So this is this brand new like. Literally last episode, she was still talking about, oh, where can I have my brothel? So I get the feeling this is not exactly what she wants. Um, And uh, I don't feel like there's a whole lot of need to go into the whole pros and cons of the whole brothel situation. I was really, I don't know what it was, but I was really thinking we were going to have some sort of scene in this episode where Betty, in order to get, like, information, has to pose as a, like, mistress person or whatever. And oh, then, like, I could see that happening later on, though. I yeah, like, I just totally it. thought that was going to happen. Especially with Betty, like, warming up, not warming up to Penelope, but, like, understanding her a little more. I and feel like we're going to... her auntie. We just haven't had dark Betty in a long time. So I feel like we're not done with that. And we might get that again. And, um, you know... People like Fifty Shades of Grey for a reason, so wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. It wouldn't be great. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so that like that's when Betty has to leave. And so so he goes and finds Kelly Ripa, and she is a sanitation inspector, I think. Water and sanitation inspector. Yeah, she's inspector. a water safety inspector. So she was brought in to do the report on Sweetwater River, which is like part of why the town ended up getting quarantined, which apparently Hermione had something to do with the quarantine. So like, is this woman working with Hermione and Hermione was going to double cross her or I don't know. But basically she found that Sweetwater River was contaminated, but her report said that it wasn't. So she lied because uh, presumably Hiram uh, had sex with her. Well, but see, this is the part that's, like, weird, is that the letter says the water's dirty, the report says the water's clean, and so they're they're framing it like, oh, she lied, and that's why the quarantine happened, because the water was dirty. So Hermione forced the quarantine to happen. She yeah, was the one like, who wanted the quarantine. Hiram also wanted it, though, from everything we've seen up to this point. Well, I think Hiram probably wanted it, like, because Hermione, like, Hermione basically said, like, hey, you need to move, you know, you need to stop contaminating the water and stop, um you know, having all this runoff, so um, I want you to shut down your Fizzle Rock stuff, and Hiram's like, okay, well, I'm just gonna pretend to shut it down, and I'm gonna move it, and that's when he lied to her about. It's, I don't know, it's unclear. It's also, like, I didn't really get the fi- picture that they were actually having an affair. I thought that he just, like, paid her with that Glamour J egg, which, yes, because we were not done with that. Another got the Glamour, Glamour J egg. Yeah, so hopefully I, yeah, we don't, don't see that again. But um, but this character that Kelly Rupp was playing is Miss Mulray, who we – I don't have any information on. I think this is just a made-up character for this for this show. But oh well. And she's staying at the Five Seasons. And then that's when Jughead gets a call from Sweet Pea, who has been following Hermione. Oh, yeah, and Sweet Pea's like, get, you got to get over here right now. Yeah, you got to get over here to watch this show of Hermione, like, bang Minetta, which is really weird. But yes, yeah. aha, told you Minetta wasn't dead. I knew it. Riverdale we don't get an- is that show. We knew it was. Well, we don't get an answer to, like, who the dead body was that they pretended was Minetta. But yeah, it was so obvious. Like, the second you take someone's head and hands off, you know they're going to come back. So I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I take it back that I was bad-mouthing Riverdale for not coming back to this. I'm glad that they did. It's summed up pretty quickly because Hermione just, like, murders Minetta at the end of the episode. But okay, whatever. So yeah, she is, she's having an affair with Minetta. And they also overhear her talking and saying, which also, like, they're outside. Isn't there, is the window open? How are they hearing this They hear Everything crystal clear, and, like, Hermione is very loose-lipped. Yeah, so Hermione's like, hey, we are going to, we are going to frame FP, which she straight out says, like, she could have just said, like, you know, take care of the problem, use your old sheriff's gun, and they could have put together, like, hey, she's going to frame FP, mm-hmm. um, which I'm kind of sad, because I really thought that her and FP were in cahoots, and this was, like, a uh... nice little plan they had between them, but nope, turns out Hermione's a bad guy. And so Jughead immediately goes to his father and he's like 
Well, that's the worst part, is he doesn't immediately go to his father. We find out later that he actually went to Curdle first and was, like, giving the cash to him to find out about, like, why he faked Mineta's death. And then he goes to his father, and he catches him, like, just in time. Well, you gotta catch him just in time or else it's not dramatic. And he's like, no, you can't go to the hospital because I overheard this, and now I know everything, and you are about to get double-crossed, and blah, blah, blah. And FP's like, yeah... I was the one who shot Hiram. Which, and in exchange, I became sheriff. Yes. Um, and I would just like to say, I told you so. I said that last episode that I was pretty sure it was going to be Fred or FP. So, well, and here's the thing. I thought it was Hermione and Hermione arranged it. So we were both right. Okay. Well, FP shot the gun. So still think I'm more right. Vote in the comments who you think was more right about this. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he wanted, and this is like, he wanted revenge for Riot Night. Everybody wants revenge in this episode. Penelope wants revenge for things. FP wants revenge for things. It reminds me of this other really great podcast, the Revenge Rewatch podcast, only found here on Kowski Cast. It's the only revenge podcast. Yeah, um, it does remind me of the show Revenge, though. And, yeah, so he wants revenge for Riot Night when, like, Jughead almost died, which... I, like, kind of thank you for bringing that up again because no, we haven't talked we, about that. I, we could have I'm just not forgotten saying, like, about it forever. No, but, I, like, the, the thing that bothers me is when big, impactful things happen and then they just kind of, like, get summed up really quickly. Like, oh, no one really cares that Jughead almost died before. Like, you, sometimes you forget why FP has a stake in the whole Hiram nonsense. And it's mostly because of that. And also that Hiram fired him from Pops and we don't get to see him wear his really adorable white uniform anymore. I do like that white uniform. I know. It's really cute. And then FP and Al- Alice interview Hermione. I'm not really sure how they were like, hey, Hermione, come over here and let's do this interview. Like, if you're Hermione and you're trying to get Fred framed for something, I feel like Mm -hmm. you just, like, wouldn't show up, but whatever. I also love that how Alice has all this new equipment now, presumably from her new job. Are they dating or not, though? Like, do the kids know? I don't think the kids know. Okay, well, please. And are they actually, or is she with Edgar now? We'll find out. Maybe FP will, like, save her from Edgar in the end of the season. Oh my god, he'll kidnap her and they can, like, deprogram her. Yeah, that would be nice. Although I did like her in this scene. Also, FP does a pretty good job of, like, giving an interview while also making it clear to Hermione that she's that he's on to her. And Hermione does a terrible job in return of, like, acting like she's wasn't actually guilty. Yeah, she's not great at that. No, I, she's really not. But it protects FP. Yeah, it does. It does. So that's good. FP is safe for now. Although I feel like I feel like Hermione is still probably going to try to go after him at some point. Well, and I also like how this is the town where people die and it's not a big deal. Because FP's like, yeah, we got into an altercation and he unfortunately like died on the way to the hospital. It's like, okay, so no one's going to look at this body and be like, oh, it's been dead for a few days. And it wasn't shot with a sheriff's gun. I'm sure that they will cremate it before there it, can oh, be yeah, any autopsy. Oh, yeah, they'll just ask for no autopsy because it's yep. totally fine when cops shoot people, right? Yep, that's how it happens. Uh, okay, and good then, to know. Yeah. And so at the end of the episode, we get the kind of like, it's sort of the opposite of when the villain just like comes clean with all their plans. Jughead tells Hermione what all her plans were. And she he's pretty much right uh, for most of that. And he's like, I know why you did it. It's for revenge. And for Veronica having a seizure, which is like, that's not why, dude. Like that is a tiny little thing. But no, it's for revenge because of that one time when Hiram hired, hired Tallboy to take shots at her during the debate last year. Except like, I don't think Hiram was trying to kill her. I think it was more like, like I need, you know, I'm I'm willing to risk your life, which is a little different. Yeah, but I, it just didn't. I didn't care at this point. I was like, is this really what we're talking about now? No, like, it was also kind of like a flimsy reason. But I mean, everything is flimsy in here. Yeah, but much like how, um, uh, much like how Penelope and Betty are kind of locked in this like truce, and so are Hiram and Archie. Now Hermione and Jughead kind of are because. She know she threatened that FP will go down if she goes down, so that's not great. Which is but, true though. Like she, yeah. they can't really do anything about her for this because FP definitely will go down for it. Yeah. On the upside, so that's like another reason why I'm mad that FP agreed to this whole thing is just because. I don't know. When, it's like he, he he shoots Hiram. He doesn't even kill her. Like, at least when Hermione shoots Mineta, she shoots him multiple times. Like, she makes sure that that loose end is tied up. Well, and the other thing, too, is FP is so naive that he thinks that he, becoming sheriff is going to protect him. Like, as far as he's concerned, Mineta got beheaded. It's so- just like, there are so many reasons for people to have for why they want Hiram dead and people who, like, could kill him. But Hermione, 
like, if she really wanted him dead, it, it just sort of seems weird that, like, oh, remember this thing that happened last year? This, like, really small thing? That's why I want him dead. And also, yeah. I'm going to hire someone to do it, and then that person's not even going to do a good job at it. Yeah, I don't get it. Like, and why... I don't know. It just also, like, was sense. FP wearing a mask? Because doesn't isn't Hiram going to know that it was him who killed him? He was shot from behind, behind wasn't he? I didn't think so. I mean, he's, like, standing with his painting of he... himself in the background, and he gets shot in the chest. I thought he was shot from behind, but... Mm, conspiracy. I, I don't know. Maybe there's two shooters. Conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> We've both clearly been listening to the same conspiracy podcast. Um, they didn't even talk about JFK. Oh, oh well. Check out um, Robin and Akiva Need a Podcast. No, we're boycotting them. <laughs> oh, yeah. We are boycotting them. Robin and Akiva Need a Podcast. Marie condoed me talking about Riverdale so they can get bent. Mm, no, just right. kidding. We love Robin and Akiva. You should support them. Not yes, that they need should. our endorsement, but... No, definitely not. I'm sure if you're listening to this, you already know who they are. If they could endorse us, that'd be great, though. Yeah. Let's do, let's do this <laughs> the other way around. Forget that thing when we said we were boycotting them. We were totally in love with them. They're the best. What did you think about Veronica not wanting to find out who killed her father? It's like... Or who shot her father. It's kind of interesting that, like, she just assumes Jughead did find the answer, but she doesn't even bother to get the answer from him. I think she assumes it was her mom. Yeah, which and is like so kind she of doesn't true. Doesn't want to know. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, so apparently, apparently everyone told Hiram that Tallboy was the one who shot him, and that he's just kind of believing that. Not sure if he actually will buy it for very long, but I guess it's kind of a it ties up that loose end. So yay, yay, we're, we're done with that. loose ends. Yeah. All right. Well, the title for this episode, like we said earlier, the Red Dahlia. Red Dahlia is a book. It's part of a mystery series by Anne Travis, and it was written in 2007. More importantly, the Red Dahlia is a flower, which I was really assuming was going to be a poisonous flower, but couldn't really find anything online that said it was poisonous. Well, and so the thing too is like Red Dahlia obviously, you know, gives the imagery of the Black Dahlia, who is the actress who was murdered in LA in like the 1920s, but nobody died in this episode that you would have thought of as fitting that mold so it's yeah, kind of well, weird and also betty is the one she calls penelope the red dahlia and i don't know i i just didn't think that that was i liked it when she called her the black widow instead i thought that that went made more sense but i don't know oh well another thing it's weird that penelope had her husband and then her husband had a twin and then she was adopted to be the wife of the one brother what did they do for the other brother did they adopt another woman or was she with both of the brothers well he was like i don't even think they knew about him until he just like came back because didn't they say they were like hid him away for a long time because he was afraid that clipper was going to kill him so i don't even know if anyone knew about him like they may have done that when he was really young because the blossom family has a history of having twins and then one of the twins dying well usually the hands of the other friggin weird yeah a little bit I just, I don't know, I had that thought this episode, and I d- haven't rewatched season two recently. Yeah. Well, no close cigar, no close but no cigars for this episode. I mean, they mentioned some that we've already said, five seasons, Glamour J Egg, but nothing new that I caught. Did you catch anything? For, sorry, close but no cigars? Yeah. N- only the return of the Glamour J Egg. Yeah. Um. All right, who do you think was the most normal person of this week? Alice? Yeah, maybe. She just, I'm like, trying- did her job? Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's really anyone else... Like, Fred, I guess, like, yelled at his son, but he also let yeah. his son just go to work instead of school. Maybe the um, construction crew guy. You know what? Yes, it was definitely Vic, the construction guy, yeah. who just wanted Archie to take his 15-minute break. And then got into a fist fight with a 16-year-old. Yeah, I definitely think it was him. Well, you are welcome to give us five-star reviews and ratings on our podcast on we iTunes. I highly like. encourage it. It helps new people find the podcast. It really does. And we got a new five-star review that we can read for this episode. Um, It is titled Queens of Riverdale Recapping by Rosonera97 or Rosonera97 possibly. I think it's Rosonera. It says, I I love everything that Kirsten and Mary do. I'm literally going to be catching up on Riverdale just to keep up with this podcast. Three heart smiley faces. So thank you so much for that. We love you. Well, I guess that means you're probably watching older, listening to older ones right now. Uh, And when you get to this one, 
one. I hope you're happy that we read it and we love you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> really appreciate that. Um, so yeah, please feel free to leave us reviews. And if you leave us a review, but you are from a different country, it would be really great. I'm go. I always check the Canada and U.S. ones, but if you are from a different country and you're like, why haven't they read our review? Just tweet at me and let me know that you left one and I can look for it and I just need to know which country you're from or you could just screenshot your review and send it to us and then we can read it from there so that uh, we don't have to go searching through several international iTunes stores you know what that's also a thing that you could do if you (laughs) want to make it easier yeah so we also got a tweet from Darren Love who said can you believe it all the parents had jobs this episode which Okay, yes. All the parents we saw Does Keller have a job yet? That's the only one I was going to say. We're like two-thirds of the way there. Like, he got a job, right? got a job. But does that mean it's a job? Does he work at the gym? Is he a professional boxer now? I don't know. Hopefully all in on him being a professional boxer now. Hopefully we find out next episode. I just really want him to come back, but it seems like Archie might be hanging out with him. So maybe we'll get that. Maybe we'll have some Kevin, too. Who knows? I have my I hope crossed. so. I miss Kevin. Okay, everyone. That's all for this week's episode. Thank you for joining us, and we will be back next week for our recap of episode 12. Until then, you can follow me online at Frail Mary on every platform, and if you're interested, you can check out our other podcast that we do on Kowski Cast. That's Cow with a K. You can also follow Kirsten online at Kirsten Said What, and one thing we would really like you guys to tweet at us about or message us in whichever form you would like is we are potentially going to have a special guest come on to do a recap of one of our episodes. I think you guys will be really, really into this guest, but we want some advice on which episode you think they should do. Which one, if you were going to have one person talk about an episode, knowing that they've probably never seen the show before, what's just like the most ridiculous one? We don't necessarily want to do the first episode of the show, but Mm -hmm. anything that you think is the best, let us know and we will take your suggestions. Yeah, I think we're leaning towards something pretty crazy, probably something we've covered already, uh, just so that it doesn't, you know, take over our coverage of the show later um we're wanting so that we can explain the insanity of Riverdale to someone who is probably only gonna watch this one episode so please let us know your recommendations for that yeah it might be a little bit less recap centric and a little more just discussing how crazy the show is as a whole but if you have any suggestions for that and if you think you might know who the guest might be and maybe have some thoughts or questions for them please send them in and we will let you guys know if this is going to happen but we're really excited about it you can also check out some other stuff we've done recently i was on rob has a podcast doing a preseason podcast for aubrey brocco who is coming back for survivor 38 so if you are a fan of survivor and you're going to check that season out i highly recommend you listen to the deep dive that i did aubrey brocco's story so far for the two seasons that she was already on it's and it a, was really good mary you did a you did a podcast. really good job oh, oh thank you thank you very and much. everyone should listen to it as well as the other deep dives on over on rob has a website.com yeah, there are four returning players for this season. Also, if you are listening to this and you have do not watch Survivor, maybe you used to, maybe you haven't, check it out. Great show. It's still on. <laughs> surprise, surprise. That show is that. still on. And they do two seasons a year. So we are heading into season 38 of Survivor. Yeah, definitely. So you should really check that out. Uh, all right, everyone. That's pretty much all we have. Kirsten, was there anything else you wanted to plug? No, all of my Big Brother stuff's irrelevant already. Okay. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, the beauty of recapping Big Brother. We love Big Brother uh, Live yeah, updates. Yeah. All right. Thank you, everybody. Talk to you later. Bye. Under juice. Yeah, this is an illegal speakeasy.